Welcome back, everyone. Today it's the uh, fourth episode of our podcast, and we have EDGI, European Dividend Growth Investor. Welcome and thanks for accepting our invitation. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward for today. And it's funny that we, we talk to you after we have talked to Derek, since uh, Derek and EDGI are the hosts of the Dividend Talk podcast that we have mentioned in the, in the talk with, uh, with Derek last week. And so it's nice that you know, we get to talk to both of them in a, in a short amount of time. So thanks to, to you both, actually. As you know, we have started to, to run this podcast very recently, and we want to interview li- kind of like like-minded investors or even in- investors in slightly different communities to kind of get to know each other and, and learn from, from each other. And um, I think that uh, Guy is the one that uh, knew you first uh, because he was and he's more active on Twitter than me. So, of course, he's one of your followers. And then he, he mentioned, of course, your, your blog to me. And um, I think this is also very similar to Derek's story. This is at least what I've heard and what I've read that you started investing because of the pension scheme that is not so convincing to you and also because you would like to retire earlier than usually. I think your goal is to retire when you are 45, right? Uh, yes. I'm not sure if this is all possible with the current inflation numbers, uh, but that's uh, that's uh, another thing. Yeah, it, you know, it's accumulation of things, right? But the realization that... Um, is it that pension funds in the Netherlands are not increasing their, their let's say, re-indexing the value you get at retirement for almost a decade, yeah, where we saw 19% in, of inflation. I'm not even talking about accumulation of, of the individual numbers, so it's probably even more. And then like a zero point something once in 10 years of re-indexing means that you're losing approximately 20% of, let's say, earnings power at the time of retirement. And I thought like, well, if this is a trend, I've got another 30 years to go. Where do I end up? So that was one of the, the, the realizations that really, really kicked in where I thought like, okay, I'm not going to wait for the government to, to provide for me. And this, but this is the mindset that I've always been grown up with, right? My, my grandfather always told me, like EDGI, he didn't use my uh, nickname, of course, but you know, uh, just get an honest job. You know, um, make sure they pay and contribute to your your pension, and you will do fine. Well, this is a narrative that maybe works for the people that are now 60, 70 years old, but not for the generation of myself, like 30, 40 years old. Yeah, and especially like the entire pension scheme is a rather new concept. I think the, the generation of our grandparents was one of the first ones to actually experience it, right? I mean, I, I remember, I think I was talking to you, Guy, that in the, after the Second World War, it was normal to just work until you died, basically. And, and then they introduced this system, which started to work at the beginning, of course, but now we are really facing huge, huge troubles. And if I remember correctly, you started to invest in 2014, Yes, in 2014 was the first time in the, I remember in September that it was um, during the summer, I got inspired by many things. For instance, I read a book in the Netherlands and it was called Finally Mortgage Free. And it spoke about how paying down your mortgage every month has kind of a compounding effect that you lower your costs uh, on a monthly basis and the costs that you save again, you can again reinvest in paying down your mortgage. But, you know, um, at the time I also switched my mortgage rate. So so it became already really deep for me to live there. So I thought, okay, now that money left, maybe I can do other things. And then I started Googling just on what to do with money. And then I um, came onto the blog of, um, I believe, Jason Fever, Dividend Mantra at the time. 
that's where I really got inspired by dividend investing. And then I started Googling on that. And then we had dividend growth investor with his blog. So I started really to, to consume everything that I could. And this is what I often hear when people discover it. You, 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 got, you kind of have like butterflies in your belly because the first two, three months, you're just only reading, reading, reading. Many people have this. So and I was no stranger to that. And that's where I started to, to just investing. And I think the first stock I invested in was McDonald's, I believe. At the time, $90, 4% yield or 4.5% yield at the time. Sold it later. That, that was a stupid learning. But yeah, that was kind of those the, the month that I fell in love with uh, dividend investing, I would say, and discover what financial freedom could mean to me. Since you, you mentioned it, that you sold and it was an error. So w when do you sell? Uh -huh. Hopefully w never. W what did you learn in, in the journey? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I learned that selling for me is the utmost hardest thing of the whole investor journey. So I'm trying to build my strategy around the fact then that I never need to sell. So one of the things I'm... I'm, I'm all continuously learning is that investing, you need to find an investing strategy or philosophy that really fits your character. And I'm, I'm usually also in, in real life, stick to things. I'm quite committed. So for me to let go of things um, has always been difficult, I think. And this is coming back again in, in my investing philosophy. So what I thought at the time, I got also inspired by Buffett, value investing, and by my analysis, McDonald's was overvalued. So I felt like I need to sell it. I felt like the hamburgers that I saw the whole trend of veganism, vegetarian around me. They went through such a cycle. Um, maybe it was 2016 or 17. Many people complaining, sales were down, and then they uh, got a new CEO quickly after. He introduced a refreshed menu and boom, sales started to skyrocket. There I was, right? It quickly boosted to $200 or something like that. So I thought like, okay, value investing as such is works for me when I'm initiating a position, but it doesn't really work for me when I need to exit and this is really where I learned like let your winners run there's a seasonality through every company and the question is can they redevelop themselves so for that's why I'm not investing in a company like IBM because I don't see this there I see 10 years of decline yeah at the moment and they need to they had to buy Red Hat and Red Hat is now becoming the main revenue source almost so what are we talking here about right uh, maybe revenue so, should have bought IBM but these are the kinds of things mm -hmm. that I really had to learn and I think it's really easy to fall in the value investing mindset by all the videos on YouTube about Buffett, Peter Lynch. If it doesn't fit your character in the sense of the exit game, which I st struggle with, then I rather build a strategy around it to not need to exit. The dividend cut, I would say, is always a strong reason for me to sell. And I'm learning that it should be rather quicker than slow uh, with my action there. So there are red flags, but ideally the holding period is, is forever. Yes, yes. But for instance, I, I sold Disney straight away after the di dividend cut because they also announced a strategy to go fully into the streaming wars. And I thought like, okay, this will be cash consuming. They announced it already. No dividend will come back. But I held on to Shell, Royal Dutch Shell at the time, because I knew that this was kind of a great reset for the company. And they have shown that since the Second World War, they didn't cut their dividend. And I know I, I could feel this company's commit to the dividend, but they didn't cut it because of COVID necessarily, but because of what happened in 2016 the oil glut and they were barely recovering from that and then they got kind of a knockout into their face with COVID and that's why I understood it my thesis has played out since then and then you have an opportunity cost question do you buy 
more or do you sell or do you hold and i decided to hold and when it dropped a little bit i bought also a bit more it really depends uh, i'm not that black white in the sense of i always sell after a dividend cut and in the blog you you mentioned now that you, your dividend income is around 20 percent right of your uh, monthly expenses if i am oh maybe that's not up to date i think it's rather 40 to yeah let's say 40 45 percent it really depends on uh, how we take inflation into account at the moment okay but then great i mean even even better congratulations <laughs> yeah 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 and i think um I mean, I, I did my third quarter uh, review. So uh, Derek and I always do a quarterly review on the Dividend Talk podcast, also to inspire others to show how our journey is going. And I'm just amazed about the amount of dividends are that are already like reinvested and contributing to the growth. Yeah. Uh, so I'm talking with, if you talk about 40, uh, 45%, you're talking already about five month salaries as well and that's crazy and i mean a salary after tax and everything so net income and this is just crazy when you think about it really really crazy i mean i couldn't have foreseen that of course we're now eight years further down the line mm. um but what it also means for me is like i'm already financially free in my mind yeah i can take a job as an uber driver now or as a as a as a supermarket employee and i will be able to cover my costs and that gives you a luxury in mind that you don't need to take the job for money anymore you know that you will survive if shit hits the fan yeah i mean this is great and also knowing that the first uh, 50 percent is of course much harder than the second 50%, right? Gives you- I hope so. I hope so. I hope that the compounding compounding will help me. Yeah. There's more to it, right? Because I always speak about this a lot because many people go naturally into savings rates, right? And savings rate is really, really important here. But I've benefited the most from the growth by increasing my savings rate via just doing my, my utmost best at my job. So if you increase your salary, every year with few percent you can double that outcome in your savings rate if you keep your expenses flat there's only so much you can save on your uh, expenses and and we have had luck friends with internet subscriptions they all became more commodity over the years so they became cheaper but other costs were rising in the in the meantime but i've really really uh, you know tried to keep my cost level flat and only work on my salary increase not by putting pressure on management or something like that but just by doing a great job that they felt like they had to reward you for that and i would say that has been even more important in the accumulation days than anything else and i i would like to also to your listeners to really understand that because i've seen sometimes people fall into the trap of becoming lazy if you then take your uh, salary you start to get into this freedom mindset you think oh f off uh, everybody uh, i'm going to do the minimum i'm saving for retirement but you know, if you want to speed it up, the best at your job, grow those skills and, and get more market value and use that to invest more in, into the compounding effect. Right. And also, I mean, inflation, of course, is eroding the purchasing power of everybody. But if we look at uh, how much uh, dividends grow compared to how much uh, wages, you know, the median wage grows, <laughs> typically dividends grow much faster. So, yeah, yeah. And how annoying is it if you work in a corporate and you're fighting for a one or two percent salary raise and then you hear your CEO <laughs> saying like, guys, we're increasing the dividends for seven percent. Oh, you know, just, just know which side you need to be in your company, right? Exactly. So even in, in the longer term, 
it's more sustainable to have dividends than to be a salaried worker. I mean, it's just yeah, uh, and it gets it tax cheaper. You, you pay less tax on uh, dividend income compared to uh, earned income from right. salary. So, I mean, there's so yeah. many benefits to this. I, I, I guess the main difficulty is to find those companies that will grow their dividends. I think that is really the key here. That's why I'm a dividend growth investor, not a dividend investor. There is right. also a strategy to just buy everything which yields more than 6%. I, I do believe that having some high yielders in your portfolio in the beginning is helping you psychologically wise with seeing the dividends mm. coming in and to contribute a bit to the compounding effect. But for me, it's really the growth component. And this is also important because often people, they say like, ah, growth investing and, and dividend growth investing is like boring or dividend investing. But, mm. you know, if you really think about growth investing, um, Microsoft is, an, is, a, is a growth company, but also an excellent dividend growth company. That's the difficulty, I think, finding those companies that you can build your portfolio around and that where management incentives are fully aligned with your own investors' uh, incentives. And you mentioned before right. that you are a very committed person in, in life, right? And this mm -hmm. is definitely a major factor, say, even when you're saying, you know, I can increase my salary rather than decrease my expenses, you still have to live below your means for, for certain years, right? You, you would like maybe to spend a bit more, right? The, the amount of money that you invest, maybe you would like to spend it for more holidays or I don't know, for the latest yeah. iPhone, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And I think that psychologically, this is what is really hampering many people to invest and, and yeah. to actually get these great benefits. I think understanding more and more the data and the numbers, as, as you're saying also, and as you guys are doing the podcast, is maybe helping some people re really realizing that if they are willing to commit a little bit, that will have greater benefits down, down the yeah. road, right? The question I sometimes get is whether I'm enjoying life while I'm doing this. Yeah, um, because I will be missing out on things. And I can imagine if you, if this is the case, if you're having a relatively low middle income class job, where you need to live with your whole family on ramen noodles. I can imagine that, but I'm going two, three times a year on holiday. Um, I live in a, in a nice place, I would say. We do our stuff. That means probably that I'm in an upper middle class uh, situation, or I, I know I am. That's again, a result of, of hard work, yeah, of, of increasing on the salary front. So my kids are not missing out. Uh, it's true that I'm not going to pay for a one half thousand uh, euro iPhone, specifically not in Poland. I will do with the Samsung instead uh, here. But for me, I don't feel I'm not missing out because I'm not putting a value on those kinds of uh, things. I just need to call a bit of internet. So, and often I also have a feeling that some people like to live the Instagram life. They need to stand on the highest mountain in Norway and, and do like off-track skiing or something like that. Make a selfie because then you're happy and yeah i don't have that at all um, maybe that's a little bit where the analytical person uh, comes to the forefront that i don't care so much about what other things about me that's the best mindset for an investor i think so maybe going more into some specific questions and then maybe we're gonna come back to the mm -hmm. podcast so where do you start from when you when you want to research for for companies you you mentioned already some criteria about growth and, and so forth but if you can you know say something more about really like your your process going from zero to the yeah. buy moment so my process looks different today than at the start mm -hmm. why i'm saying i think if you're a relatively new investor and growth investor i would start at the website 
website tripinvesting.org. Uh, you've got the American Dividend Aristocrats list there. You can just go to the list and, and filter those companies out that you maybe know already, right? That, that, that you're familiar with, where you understand their products. Because screening is really difficult. I don't need to go to the list anymore because I've, you know, after eight years of investing, you know your tickers and, and out of your head. But I would start there and then I would really look at new criteria. And, and this, this assumes that you want to do stock picking, right? Because you can also put everything into an ETF. If you don't want to spend the time to understand the company and follow a company, just re spend once your time researching few ETFs and buy, buy those that you want. If it's about stock picking, I would look um, at the typical criteria that are really important around dividend safety. So what's the payout ratio from both the earnings per share and the free cash flow? This is really important. I would say anything lower than 60 is already good. You want to understand their balance sheet. Is their balance sheet good? If you don't know how to analyze that, go to the Moody's website, look up the stock and check if they have a high quality balance sheet. That should give you already some comfort. Um, look at also the dividend policy on their website. Are they actually announcing and, and committed to growing a dividend or what you see in Europe a lot, is it like 30, 40% of their earnings? So I would like look uh, mainly at those three criterias. Then yeah, try to read the first few pages of an annual report, the CEO shareholder letter maybe, plus a little bit about what they uh, write about how their business is going. Nor all the other crap, except for the income statements and such, because they usually have 200 pages of glossary. Those are irrelevant, I would say. If you do that, I think that in an hour per stock, you, you will get a good feeling whether you could invest something. Now, the most difficult when you're a starter is like, you're really going to put all your savings in there. So if you're the first time investing and let's say you earn 2000 euro, you can save 500 euro. 500 euro might allow you to go on a holiday in the end of the year don't want to lose that right so if you buy such a company that i just already mentioned i can almost guarantee that if you buy if you do this for six months in six different stocks you will not lose all your money because if those six companies go down we probably have an apocalypse going on in the world <laughs> so that, that's also important to realize but you need to get used i think to the psychology of of spending 500 euro let's say in a month on something usually you are already probably Thinking about, oh, my internet subscription of 50 euro, how can I get it to 45? So it's a lot of money. And, and this is often the most difficult for people uh, when, once they get started. But start with those, start even with 100 or 200. But get, get uh, what, what people will need to learn in the beginning is to get familiar and comfortable with seeing a, if you buy for 100 euro to see it go down to 95 euro without getting stressed. As soon as that stress is going, I would say you're ready for putting larger amounts uh, in there. Otherwise, don't do it because you will make mistakes. You will you will sell out of panic. You will lose more money. So get the stress under control. I think is the most important in the beginning. Right. Sure. Yeah, if this uh, long story, not sure if this all clarifies. It's difficult. There are lots of books about this as well, right? So buying a book always helps. There's a very big psychological aspect to investing. So uh, one has to enter, you know, a, a new mindset where you should be happy if the price goes down because you have done your homework. You know that now it's even a better bargain than before. If you if you freak out. 
there's something wrong either in the process or 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 in your mindset right and uh, if you freak out at, least... at a certain moment you also need to get uh, you need to accept that and this is where i get back to it needs to fit your character if you're just in general mm. having a lot of temperament please don't mm. invest in stocks like that just put it even like in an etf your money and do it fully automated so that you don't even need to open up your brokerage page let it go on a monthly basis Throw your password away give it to your other half your wife or your husband and do it like that yeah because that's where you get the wealth yeah i mean the indexing has ever scared me a little bit i have to say because uh in the end it's like a leap of faith you just in invest in you know so many companies you don't really know where things will go in a few years isn't also your impression that actually it's so much better to to understand you know the companies rather than saying okay the cape ratio now is this and in the last uh, 100 years uh, it was uh, lower so maybe it's uh, yeah, but the, you know you there's know, always the, the risk is expensive or not there's always risk associated to investing so here it comes again to the style for instance for me investing in etfs really help me because i'm a dividend growth investor my financial plan is that i need to invest at a certain yield on average and then it needs to grow on average if you buy a dividend etf you're just buying that whole basket at a certain valuation every time so that's not the same i buy individual stocks and that's why i have a certain starting yield let's say it's 3.25 percent in my case how many dividend mm. etfs were yielding about that when we look at dividend growth etfs like from vanguard they were the last few years they were around two percent one and a half percent so i wouldn't be able to yeah. make my financial plan but if it right. if it's about etf i would say you rather go for total return not for dividend growth investing and here I would say, you just need to place a bet. Do you think that the world will be better off 20 years from now? Yeah. Buy a world ETF. If you believe not, then you start zooming in. Do you believe that America will be better off 20 years from now? If not, maybe don't invest <laughs> it. You can go again, zoom in. Do you believe that healthcare is better off 20 years from now? If yes, put it in a healthcare ETF that has a global reach where you've got all the companies. That's those are the questions that I would ask myself and maybe take three different ETFs. Then you'll see where you end up and whether you were right 20 years from now, right? The alternative to put it on a bank or to put everything oh, in brick and mortar yeah. in your own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Investing is risk. It's, 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 it's just like that. Did you find uh, anything fundamentally different between European and American dividend growers and companies? For example, are in the US companies more committed than, than in Europe or not? Or other differences? Yeah, yeah, they are more committed. And um, I think there's way more culture of dividend growth investing. And that might actually have to do, you know, I'm speculating here a bit that many people in America just depend on their retirement or participating in the stock market so there might be a stronger need for them to for companies to to pay growing dividends what you see in europe it's usually they pay high dividends but they pay a certain amount of their earnings so then you're really dependent on how the earnings fluctuate oh there's something good i studied this of course as well so on my blog you will see like 30 european dividend aristocrats 
Sometimes they don't increase their dividend in a difficult year. They rather keep it flat. And I'm usually also okay with that. Yeah, if, if really shit hits the fan and they keep the dividend flat, I'm I'm okay with that. But if they will cut the dividend, they make me grumpy. So, but you know, in, in, in Europe, you might find maybe 50 or 60 of such stocks. In America, you'll find probably two, 300 of such uh, stocks. And, and that I think highlights difference as well. But there's also another thing in, in America, there's just more entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurism, I don't know how you say it in English, and more companies are listed. They go to the stock exchange, right? In Europe, many companies are private. Think about Lego as an example. And, and there are many, many more that are private. So I believe also the pie of stocks that could be dividend growth stocks is therefore already, uh, or the sample is already smaller. Okay. And, and do, do you see this trend continuing? or do you you know in the last uh, 10 years let's say or or according to what you are reading or your experience did, did no you i don't see, see i i don't see it changing no no okay. i i think what we are touching now here really on is like the strength of your being companies and the ability to grow grow their earnings almost into infinity. I think we don't have a, such a strong economy and companies that mm -hmm. can do this. If you look at where the innovation is happening, I think the main two sectors where a lot of innovation is happening in Europe is energy and healthcare. Those are the mm -hmm. two main ones and maybe still a little bit of consumer staples. If you think about finance, it, it's Wall Street. Look at the European banks where they are compared to the American. If, if you think about technology, I mean, what, what's, what's here uh, in, in, in Europe? From, we, we cannot really speak about that, right? Yeah, I, th I think energy and healthcare, and I think energy is not a long-term industry for dividend growth investing to invest in because of its cyclicality. Healthcare, yes. And, but then you have a really small sample. Now that we are in these um, times where, as we mentioned, there's a lot of inflation and most likely a, a recession or maybe, like how much do you care about all of this? I guess you invest every month, right? But I invest every month. I mean, it's really difficult now, right? I think this is the hardest phase so far in my investing uh, career. COVID was quite easy. The Greek debt crisis was also relatively easy because we're in a whammy right now. So I'm also in, in the Polish Lotti uh, here. So 25% loss compared to the dollar in a year, 5% uh, against the euro, 16% inflation. My market rate went from 2.2% to almost 10 within a, within a year. So I'm getting literally screwed from every angle, external factors that I don't have influence on. So this is making it really, really hard. But I don't know another way than just continuing to monthly invest and uh, hoping that this will end anytime soon. So because, for instance, in Poland, I believe probably 95 to 99 percent of the people have a variable rate, a three month interest rate. And that went from um, 0 0.25 or 0 0.5 to, to, to 8 in, in like nine months. Then you negotiate usually your top up on top of that. Yeah. Because they don't give you like 20 years fixed interest rate. They don't do that here. Yeah. So luckily I have a small mortgage. It's not impacting me that so much like others. Also, luckily the government gave us a two months vacation uh, option. So mm. I don't pay my mortgage now for two months. Uh, so it allows me to, to push. Uh, banks are, of course, really angry here, but. No, I, I don't have any mercy for them because, first of all, 
they don't they they say they are in a capitalistic uh, market but they aren't because we need to build them out all the time so there is already a form of uh, broken capitalism there so and then secondly in 2009 they didn't pay the bill yet so maybe it's time for them to pay now the bill 10 years later so i don't have too much mercy uh, of that but yeah, that makes it hard right it makes it hard because also is it fair to expect uh, let's say 16 percent salary increase this year from your employer i would love to but i don't count on that yeah yeah we're just getting pay cuts and i think re regarding the currency guy can relate to what you're saying because i live in denmark and uh Danish crown is at least pegged to the euro. So the only thing that I'm feeling is, of course, the depreciation against the US dollars. But the Swedish crown, you were saying yes. it was what, like 50% down with respect to the dollar in, in the well, last 10 okay. years? No. Ah, yeah, yeah. In, in the long, uh, yeah, in the long term, it, it was uh, crazy. I, I don't remember now uh, on top of. Uh, and I think that it's very head, hard but... usually for people to, to grasp this. Like you see it in the long term, of course, that you're getting poorer yeah. and poorer. Unless, oh, but like, you are investing and maybe, you know, of course you have your eyes on it and you just see how things are going, but otherwise... Yeah, yeah but you, you are right, you know, I'm, I'm checking in now. In, uh, in 2011, it was one Swedish krona was 0.16 dollars and now it is 0.088, so almost 50% down. And uh, in, in the last year, in the last year, it, it was crazy. In the last year, it was... I mean, it, it is 26% down from April 2021, so one year and yeah, six and months. Basically, your monthly investments uh, into uh, American companies. In, in US dollars, yeah. So I've been buying Castellum a lot lately, so um, <laughs> because, this year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh -huh. but not because of that, just because of uh, it's, it's a nice business, I think, to own. Uh, here mm. and there with Tule in, in, in Sweden at the moment a nice company mm. as well who, who doesn't like the rooftop racks and they're also now going into the biking uh, market and such so uh, it's still a bit dubious about their dividend policy uh, I think they cut mm. it during COVID but then they still paid the dividend the year after so I, I, I see through a little bit with that one mm. but there are some really great Swedish dividend stocks actually dividend growth stocks I, I know the dividend tax is 30% but I understood it's relatively easy mm. to request it back from sweden so it's it's not been withholding me from that point of view so i'm uh, therefore because uh, with the polish lot i'm also if i need to choose on, on like equal terms between stocks i will choose now the european one but there's another thing that we need to watch out for is price anchoring yeah many people are anchored around the dollar euro about 120 but i still remember in the beginning that the dollar was like 140 uh, so i was price anchored there so i often get the question like what are you doing now are you still investing in dollars uh, here yes i am doing because maybe this one dollar will become 80 cents uh, in two years from yes, now yes. we will think this was yeah, a buying yeah. opportunity still don't know where it goes at least i haven't studied this right enough yeah I it's mean, dollar so... cost averaging but with a big toothache yeah <laughs> you know that there is no mean reversion in uh, in this stuff i mean that there could be just a secular trend in the strength of currencies it, it can continue for decades Let, exactly. let's look at the swiss franc uh, i mean it's uh, so yeah, i agree and also i mean we live in a dollar centric world in some sense it's uh, much uh, more stable to invest in dollars at least in my mind than in yeah. anything else fortunately yeah i remember i think i spent some time in boston during my 
my PhD uh, before moving there to, to work. And I could only live there during my PhD because of the euro being strong. Because, you know, the, the PhD scholarship that I was getting was just crappy. But of course, given the exchange rate, I could afford, you know, a room somewhere in Boston. But I'm thinking now about these maybe yeah, students yeah. or professionals that are kind of trying to do the same. It's impossible. Like, these are just tons of opportunities that are, that are just being erased exactly and then that's why it might come back at a certain moment because uh export towards um i said at least american companies let's say will might have less customers uh, in europe mm -hmm. because of um because of this right the products are more expensive for us so either they lower prices it hits their earnings or we buy less it hits their earnings yes on the other hand their imports are cheaper so maybe their margins are up so maybe yeah 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 maybe it depends maybe on where the <laughs> but it depends yeah. on the company right uh, if you have a yes. if you have a huge margin it's a different story than when you have a low margin uh you know how i always think about it i would like to have the cheapest dollar until i hit my expense crossover point and then i want to have the strongest dollar <laughs> <laughs> if i can ask also a question about you as a podcaster and a blogger since you're mm -hmm. also working like us and of course you know we we share more or less this uh these things like how is it for you to to run like the podcast and the blog and to invest and then to work like how do you manage to do all of this uh day to day it, it is sometimes difficult i must say i've been lately a little bit more quiet uh with my articles so uh, because i also have a youtube channel uh, here which i usually do uh, because i just started a new job so what it means like I have a lot of new influences coming towards me and, and I'm just tired in the evening. So I need to get through this phase. But other than that, usually I, I create three pieces of content. It's it's an article on my blog, the podcast. We always do it on the Friday evening. It's a habit. And then usually a video on Sunday. So that's usually what I do and I like it. it I've got my routine into it. And my family also knows what I'm doing when, uh, but I don't sacrifice on my family. So what is important, what I've learned is to carve time out. So Sunday morning for me, usually a video is like I wake up early so that I lose the least time of interaction with the family friday evening they usually watch a movie or any any anyway or something like that so it means i've got my whole saturday with them i've got my most of my sunday with them and during the week i usually find some hours in the morning or 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 in the evening when the kids are too bad to still write a bit an article that's how my schedule looks like but like now if you change job and you need, you're in a learning phase i just need to think about myself and i also have learned to listen to my body if i'm tired i just go to sleep and for me all of this is always secondary towards my compared to my private life but it is i would say one of my biggest passions and when you're passionate about something yeah, then it's hard to stop your energy right yeah so i guess do you see this like going forward as being more important for example when you will be financially independent like that you don't really need to work mm. like do you see the blog being there and, and really you know having more time on it i i don't know actually it's always a difficult question for me because for instance i love the work that i'm doing and at the company where i'm working i really love it so ask me today i wouldn't want to stop the experiences that i'm getting i wouldn't like to stop today with that um, i'm still learning a lot so yeah that's one right but on the other end i would love to travel the world uh, or something like that so you know it's all these conflict but also i would love to do for instance um, more blogging uh, i would love to for instance blogging and, and youtube be my income source so i'm sometimes thinking like huh 
maybe if I'm like on 80% of expense coverage, I will take the last 20% from social media income uh, via blogging and such. Because I do get a little bit from YouTube, from the blog and from, from some affiliates via brokers and such. I've got all these questions in my head at times, but honestly, it's hard to answer that. I will, I will, I will figure it out once, once the time approaches uh, for this. Yeah, I think, as you said, as long as you enjoy the journey, it, it's nice and it's good to have the opportunity yeah. at least to arrive at one point where you can choose what to do rather than be. And, and that's what I mean. I'm already financially free in my head with these kinds of things. Yeah, I, I re already reached, reached that stage. Like I said, I can take a job here at the local supermarket and uh, just, you know, fill up the bread every hour and home again. Great. Yeah. And I think uh, we were talking also with Derek about how important uh, it is for him to also pass this knowledge on to the next generation. I don't know if you also shared this, but he was like, I would be very proud if, you know, my son will not have to spend the first uh, 20, 30 years of, of his life to learn that maybe he has to invest, you know, and, and to yeah. really tell him how it kind of like how it really works. Yes, true. Uh, the knowledge, definitely. The money, not. I really think like uh, kids, when they start, they need to appreciate the value of money first. And if they get it with the spoon from the parents, I think that's not good. That's how I think as a father. If I sometimes get the emails right from people about uh, what it has meant to them, uh, how they are on the journey, I mean, how can you not uh, be willing to spend more time or continue uh, sharing your knowledge, right? I mean, it's really, really rewarding. And often people talk about trolls on Twitter and, and all of this. Honestly, I hardly experience them. Hardly. Um, I've got a relatively large following and hardly, hardly ever get negativity or something like that. So I think if you role model positive behavior around you, and you, you can really inspire people. And, you, and I take inspiration from that back again because I've got lots of people to me with stock tips uh, with have you considered this or asking genuine questions like why i'm doing something and i love those questions because i know i'm far from perfect my strategy uh, is probably not outperforming a benchmark doesn't need to because i don't benchmark to that but you know that's how as a community you can grow right and we just need to always stay humble also to the newcomers remembering what what our experience was when we started and that's really what's driving me and it's, it's giving and taking i would say yeah, I think this is what Guy and I have experienced in these first few months of our experience, that we have been very surprised by the community, like the possibility to talking to you guys, for example, or receiving these kind of comments. We didn't know what to expect. Guy, have I, have I missed anything that you wanted to ask? Or? No, no, I, I, was just, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, compounding goodwill. You, you just, uh, yeah, you, you spread positivity and positivity comes to you. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's not all about the money, right? Uh, from that point of view. Money helps a lot. I think, I don't know, I don't want to go through life with a lot of negativity. Sometimes I do call people out, right? Also on Twitter, <laughs> like CEOs that are really just lying to us then i call them out is that a form of negativity or sarcasm yes definitely then i also feel like a little bit like the person that wants to call it out for the rest of the community here right so. right you're helping somebody else realizing that right 
So someone exactly, has to do exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, I okay. cannot but thank you for your time. It's been uh, it's been very nice talking to you and getting to know you. And uh, I think as uh, as we hope with the guy, we'll we'll stay in touch. Uh, and this was just the start of this adventure. And we're gonna of course keep following you on YouTube, on the blog, and on the podcast. We'll see where this journey will uh, will bring us to. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, of course, I wish you also both lots of su success in the journey. And I will keep an eye on how it's going. And if there's anything, let me know. I'll do the same. Thank you. Thank bye -bye. you. Thank you.